We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name's Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for Blue Wire and all of you fine folks on the other end of the speaker. And I don't think the mic picked it up, but it had me cracking up. I could barely start the introduction, but like right as I started, right as I hit record, my stomach like started making noise. You know when your stomach make noise and makes noise and it like comes out of your mouth? Like not a burp, but like you can just hear it. Maybe it was because my mouth was slightly open being a mouth breather. Um, my allergies have been killing me today, so hopefully I'm not too nasally. I'll try and speak from my chest, but I kind of like, I just, it's just here in my stomach. I just went to not just a couple hours ago. I went to some old spaghetti factory. You guys ever been to old spaghetti factory? Do you like it? Uh, feel free to, to hit me up on, on Twitter to share your thoughts on the old spaghetti factory. I took the wife's recommendation. I'm usually not a huge, huge spaghetti guy. I'm, I, I don't mind it. I like white sauce a little bit more than red sauce, but I like both. And this was like some awesome combination. It was like meat sauce with mazithra. And it was really good. And I, you just mix them together. It was, it was really good. I was impressed. I'm I, like I said, not a huge spaghetti guy. I know when spaghetti hits hard though, you know, like everybody kind of knows like there's like average spaghetti and then there's spaghetti when it's like, damn, this was really good. And this was really good. I was impressed. Got some little, you know, they call it spumoni. I'm gonna, I don't even know how to spell that. Well, I, we could we could look this up live. Um, old spaghetti factory spa. Oh, there it is. Spumoni. S P U M O N I. Uh, so it's a blend of chocolate, cherry, and pistachio. Actually, slaps like. Would it, when you, if you heard chocolate, cherry, and pistachio, you wouldn't really like assume that it tastes good. The colors are weird, you know. Like who in their right mind combines light green 
light pink and and brown. You know, there's it's not aesthetically pleasing. It's not it doesn't sound like it would be good, but it is. I also had at Teppanyaki one time green I think it was green tea, no, pistachio ice ice cream. Not bad for whatever reason. Not even into pistachios. I don't even was it pistachio? I'm tr- I'm 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 beating myself up here right now. Might have been green tea ice cream. That was my first thing I was going to say. Anyways, moving on. It was good. It was great food. Great food. Loved it. Good bread. Had some, um, like, what's it? Like pesto ranch. Very good. It was just, it was a great trip. I actually just got done. No transition here. Striking gold. No transitions. Just got done watching this uh, little video going around on Twitter of when the Cardinals made the trade, the the trade out of three with the Texans, who came up and took Will Anderson, it's only like a two and a half minute clip, but man, it was entertaining. It was very, very, uh, you know, uh, draft day esque without the the pancakes and the, and the drama. But you could see, like at one point, he goes, "How much time's left? Six minutes." He's still working the trade. He's still calling back. They're still adding picks, dropping picks. And I mean, just think of, I mean, that's why those dudes make so much money. Just think of the ramifications of what's happening in that moment. They're making that. Now, a lot of trades are predetermined, pre, pre-agreed to. You know, this was probably something they talked about a little bit, but you could still, you could tell things were still very much up in the air as far as how they were working through this trade. And uh, it was cool. Check it out. I don't know where it is on Twitter. I just saw it. Um, I think it was on the Cardinals YouTube channel since all of us, here in 49ers land are definitely keeping up with things in the Cardinals sarcasm for sure. But it was just a cool video. It kind of gets your heart pumping. You're looking at it. It's like, damn, this is kind of intense. And you can see the, you know, the real stakes that are on the line in real time, trading real draft picks that could be franchise altering players, you know, throwing that around. It's just, it was cool. I, I highly recommend it. Go, uh, go seek it out. Um, what else do I got going on right now? Oh, my apologies for last week. With the transition from kind of like spring to summer has been super weird in Fresno. It's, I mean, currently right now, it's like yesterday it was like a, it's, it's June 8th, which is prime first hundred degree days. And it's like a high of 81 windy. I mean, I love it because I'm not a huge fan of the heat, but Driving my allergies nuts. Last week I had allergies all day. I was and when I, now let me let me let me describe. I don't know if I've described this before to you guys. I know I mention allergies every now and then, but when I say allergies, I mean like allergic to the stuff that floats around in the air, the pollens, the grasses, the all those different things. And when I get allergies, I just start sneezing over and over and over. My record. For the most, and I'm not bullshitting you. Y'all know I'm not a bullshitter. My record for the most sneezes consecutively, like a sneezing fit, we'll call it, is like 21. We're talking about sneeze, catch your breath, sneeze, catch your breath, 21 times. And so when I start doing that, it just takes it out of me. I will get tired. I will just, I don't get sick. It's, it's allergies, but I just get exhausted. I came home last Thursday and was like, oh, I'll take a nap before I record the pod. I'm beat. I did not wake back up. I think I woke back up at like 11 and was like, oh, well, darn, like this sucks. And went back to sleep. I probably slept for like 
13, 14 hours. So I've also been thinking like, do I, should I move the podcast up in the week? That way, if something comes up, I've got a few days of backup because we don't really publish podcasts over the weekend. Nobody wants to ask editors to edit stuff on a Friday night and all that jazz. Like that's, that's not for us. So I've thought like, man, if I can, if I could muster the courage to move the podcast up, I don't mind being like the Friday morning podcast, but at the same time, it leaves me like zero room for error. And if like, you know, you know what I mean? You don't need me to bore you with it. 49ers land. Mandatory mini camp is coming to a close Tuesday and Wednesday. Random storylines all throughout. Nothing, no huge news, but a lot of little things. And I thought that maybe together we could summarize all those little things. You know, some of our some of our uh, our, our favorites are are at training camp, offering their observations. We've had player interviews. We've had all these de- little things that we can pull from that have just kind of just painted a picture of what's going on so far. I would say, keep in mind that this is mini camp. This is not training camp. This is the team kind of getting their legs underneath them in preparation for training camp. You should not be drawing a whole lot of conclusions from mandatory mini camp. You know, we've said it in the past. It's like mandatory mini camp is like the practice before the practice. You know, it's like they're just getting prepared. The rookies are getting acclimated. Everybody's just getting used to what it's like to practice again. I mean, the, the more experienced veterans and the guys making the big money aren't even taking part. Nick Bosa was watching. Fred Warner was watching. George Kittle was watching. Christian McCaffrey, we'll talk on him later, was not watching because does that surprise you at all? Absolutely not. Take it all with a grain of salt. Just allow it to happen. Enjoy it. The first team reps are not really first team reps. There's not even a full suite of starters there. There's typically no offensive and defensive line stuff. Quarterbacks aren't getting hit. Uh, it's no one's really competing for a job at this point. Now, yes, everything leaves an impression, you know, know that everything leaves an impression and human beings are human beings. And first impressions are sons of bitches. And if you leave a bad one, you got to get over that and that stuff. So I'm not going to say that nothing can happen or nothing can be gained from minicamp, but jobs are lost in one in training camp. You know, you maybe start that journey a little bit during this time of year, but uh, there's still so much to go. This is just such a small, uh, inconsequential step in the grand scheme of what what happens at training camp and throughout the preseason. Starting off with the obvious, Brock Purdy continues to... Now, things with Brock Purdy have taken, a, 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 in my opinion, a very, not sharp turn, but a very definitive turn towards positivity as far as what's being reported, what Kyle Shanahan has said, what Brock Purdy has said. He's throwing the football. He's. It sounds like he's doing a little bit of what we saw Jimmy Garoppolo do last year after his shoulder surgery, which is come out there. He's only allowed to throw a certain number of times at a certain level of velocity and certain distances. Um, and that is basically all planned out. Kyle Shanahan said he doesn't ask questions. Uh, whether or not, whether he does or doesn't, we don't know. But he obviously doesn't want to talk about it. Purdy is slowly working his way back. He's throwing the football. Somebody told, I can't remember. I think it was living, listening to uh, Haberman and Middlecoff, the, the good old boys. And uh, I think Middlecoff was told that Purdy was throwing a 
a Nerf ball or something? And no, he's just throwing footballs. I don't know if there'd be any benefit throwing a Nerf ball. It would be cool, though, if he was throwing a Nerf ball that did the whistles. And you could like, you're like trying to pay attention to m- m- rookie minicamp or mandatory minicamp. And you, in the background, you just hear this. Like just, I mean, that would be so funny to just be sitting there trying to focus on legit football things. And out of the corner of your ear, you could just hear that high pitch. <laughs> um, so he's throwing, he's working his way back. But as far as the significant turn towards positivity, it sounds like he is going to be ready, at least cleared for football activities. Uh, I believe Matt Mayoko was saying that 12-week portion puts him like late August, two or three weeks ahead of the regular season, which seems like it would be enough time to prepare him for the start of the regular season. Now, it's clear. I needed to, I forgot to pull this up. Um, but, oh, you know what? Uh, Niners Nation has it on there. Um, Chris Sims, who we all know and love. Another little bit of sarcasm. Um, talked about what Kyle Shanahan had said to him about Brock Purdy. I mean, I'm just trying to find There it is right there. So that's put on Niners Nation. And, and he's talking to uh, the other guy from Pro Football Talk and just basically describing the fact that the 49ers believe in Brock Purdy and they think he can get better. And he was doing all of this as a young quarterback that was still drinking out of a fire hose and learning on the fly. And, and of course, his performances weren't flawless, but there's nobody out here that can deny that the 49ers offense got significantly better with Purdy. And the 49ers believe in that. Kyle Shanahan believes in that. He told Sims that he, he kind of thinks he's the he's his guy. And, and that isn't a permanent fixation. You can fall in and out of love with a quarterback based on what they do on the field. But they saw essentially Sims is saying that Kyle said they saw enough to think there's some, there's some, there's some serious talent there that they're willing to get behind. They're willing to bet on and that they will essentially offer usher back into the starting role. You know, that's why John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan both said they basically consider Purdy the leader in the clubhouse. That's why it kind of just seems like when he's healthy, He's the guy. It's not really a competition in that sense. And that's all that Sims is really saying. You know, in the end, he kind of said, Rob replied, kind of based on what Sims has said, he said, so clearly you've talked to Kyle about this. Do you get the sense that Brock is their guy? They're all in, and that's what they're going to do going forward. Sims said, I do. I don't think Kyle would have any issue with me sharing that. Now again, I like, and now again, like it doesn't mean crap. I know Kyle believes in him. I know that. Yes, he told me. And I think he sees a lot of specialness about the guy. But just because he sees that, and then we get into, you know, week five, and he's throwing interceptions and doing dumb stuff. But we know one thing about the Shanahan's and Kyle Shanahan, too. He isn't afraid to make a tough decision and do what he's got to do and go to somebody else and rip the Band-Aid off and go, okay, I know you know the public might get on me here, but I got to do this to make it happen. So that's where Sam Darnold comes into the conversation with Brock Purdy and how quickly, you know, he can get to full speed and throw and play to his top abilities once again. Uh, I don't know why he mentioned just straight up Sam Darnold rather than Trey Lance. I know that Chris Sims has never had that high of opinion of Trey Lance. But again, if he's talking to Kyle Shanahan, maybe there's a chance that he's heard something about Lance that would get him to lean Darnold. I'm not ready to dive into it at that point. But it's clear. 
Darnold's recovery is going well. He's seen as the guy. It looks like he's going to be cleared pending any setbacks. You can go ahead and knock on wood if that's your thing. That he's going to be cleared in time for uh, well before the regular season. Now, again, uh, you know, there's a difference between cleared for football activities and just playing the game. I, I, I know there's an awkward pause there, but I want to make sure I say this right. Like, just because you're cleared for football activities doesn't mean you're ready to clear to play football, especially when you're Purdy recovering from a very significant elbow injury that's going to be into the back of his mind. He has to work himself back into operating within a collapsing pocket without just bailing out and rolling to his left, which was one of his problems from his rookie stint that he even talked about before. He's like, man, I realized I left a lot of clean pockets. I I was consistently bailing out to my left. These are all things that he knows he's got to fix. But the moment you're put into an uncomfortable situation, you tend to rely on the things that are most comfortable to you, which may be bailing out of the pocket, looking for some, looking to make plays on the run. And uh, hopefully it's not to the left because that's something the defense has already started to cue in on. So it's just an interesting dynamic. Albert Breer talked about Purdy's um, on the MMQB, talked about Brock Purdy's recovery program. And he said he's on a very controlled throwing program now. And this week's mini camp in Santa Clara should provide more answers. As it stands, Purdy is throwing without pain and he's passed every test the Niners have thrown at him. The plan going forward is to gradually increase the velocity and distance of his throws. But at this point, I'm told he's come through the rehab process and is now building strength back in his arm on track that have him ready to go for week one. So again, that's ready to go for week one, That's which probably means he's been cleared for football activities weeks before that. So there's an interesting timeline developing for Purdy that may not see. We talked about our multiple quarterback realities. One of those, or a couple of those, had to do with the fact that maybe we get to see Lance or Darnold before Purdy's ready to come back, and that might not even be the case. The only huge caveat to all of this is what if Purdy's not as good? What if he starts making mistakes, dumb plays? We still may get to see a Lance or Darnold, but as far as going to bat at the start of the season, as of right now, it looks it looks like Purdy's the guy. So, And it wasn't always seeming like that. It wasn't always... Didn't always seem like that was the the expectation. Everybody just kind of seemed a little tepid, and uh, and here we are. But as far as Trey Lance goes, Guy Haberman said he looked he looked decent, looked crisp, looked solid. Uh, said that Darnold hadn't separated himself from Lance, and that also means that Lance hasn't really separated himself from Darnold. But again, this is OTAs. There's no pass rush. They're not getting hit. They're not even giving tapped on the hip to simulate a sack. And even when they do have that they still allow the play in most cases to continue going uh, you know it's you're you're reading about all these completion percentages you're really reading about all these big plays it's just so difficult to truly know who the hell is doing good things out there and i'm just i'm just saying this to you to so you can have this in your brain like Kyle Shanahan kind of elaborated on it you don't know which quarterback was sacked or wasn't sacked uh, most, I, sometimes being at training camp, done it many times, you could tell sometimes, sometimes you can't, sometimes you're wondering, did they step up? Would they have avoided that? Would the other player would have been a, a bit more tenacious going after the quarterback because in a game he's allowed to hit him? And, you know, there's all this stuff. And Kyle Shanahan said today, we don't know if there was a better option on a play. Sure, he completed the pass, but did he miss the primary read? Did he miss the big play? Did he... 
Um, what kind of coverage was he facing? Did we give this quarterback a bunch of bad looks? Whereas this quarterback got some good looks. We got the play calling right for this one, messed up for this guy. And now you've got somebody completing less than 50% and somebody completing over 75%. And from a baseline, this is how many passes this guy completed at training camp. You would think, damn, this guy's struggling. But they, you're, they're just not in the same atmosphere. And, and who, are they, which teams are they playing with? Uh, did they sub some receivers out? It's everything, and especially in minicamp, is just this huge blender of players getting reps with different quarterbacks, with different running backs, with different receivers. It's it's everywhere. So in terms of what you're looking for as far as somebody pulling away from somebody else between Lance and Darnold, it's just really hard to know right now. All I do know is that don't be one of these weirdos that puts out a tweet of Lance in a quarterback warm-up drill overthrowing a coach and acting like that's any sort of an indictment whatsoever. Like I I I I just I'm so disappointed in humans sometimes. Like and this is why it's been talked about before, but this is why these types of things getting any traction is why quarterbacks are going to and players in general at training camp are going to stop trying to test their limits because it's the age of social media. Every single one of those players on the field knows what social media does and what it can become. And they know like, shit, if I try this coverage and I get burnt to a crisp, I'm going to be all over Twitter. People talking about talking their shit at me on Twitter. Now, should that really dictate how you go about your professional career? But let's be realistic here. These are young men going about their their business in an incredibly difficult eyes-on situation. And you've got people blasting Lance because he's going through a drill where he has both of his feet spread way further farther further apart than normal, but it's about keeping a wide base. We talked about it just not that long ago. And Lance whips to his right and throws. And it's just kind of like a sideline throw. And he overthrew him. And the guy jumped and couldn't quite get it, which it was a regular-sized NFL coach, not an NFL wide receiver. Brandon Ayuk would have caught that shit. But it was just turned in this big thing. And I think, thank goodness, a lot of the replies and quotes were like, uh, bro, it's practice, man. Nope, nobody gives a shit. But And that should be the reply. Now, if that continues to happen throughout team drills – uh, throughout training camp, uh, throughout preseason, then sure. And and yes, we know Lance has, has struggled with his accuracy from time to time. He's made corrections to his throwing motion, uh, all that stuff. But to blow up, attempt to blow up a, a, a quarterback warm-up miss, like you're warming up, you're doing individual drills. Like, damn, man, if, if games are won and lost in individual drills, I don't even know. We're talking about practice? It's, it's, it's really has, does have that vibe. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging. So you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The next biggest thing that stood out to me was Drake Jackson. Seen him being mentioned around by people on the ground, looking bigger, looking stronger. Kyle Shanahan was effusive in his praise for Jackson, talking about his offseason, said he was doing all the right things, said he basically lived in the facility throughout the offseason, was there when he didn't need to be. That is exactly what the 49ers want to hear when it comes to what was essentially their first pick of the draft last year. Remember, obviously, they traded their first rounder for Trey Lance. Uh, their first pick wasn't till late in the second round, and they went with USC's Drake Jackson, um, who immediately flashed a lot of – the pick was hailed. You know, it was, a, it was a value pick. It was a deep edge class. It was The 49ers were smart to go edge there. One, they needed some reinforcements. But two, if you're going after the deepest position group in the – in the draft, it eases the pressure of having a late pick because you're targeting the group that's that maybe in a different draft class, maybe Drake Jackson in a different draft class was like late first round type talent. But because the edge class was so deep or even early second, um, they were able to give him at the end of the second. It's a great pick. He immediately flashed talent. But towards the end of the season, um, the 49ers made it abundantly clear that he was not prepared for for the length of an NFL season. He found himself on the inactive list many times. Um, and you could tell in training camp that Jackson was carrying around a little bit of weight that's not good for his position. You can see it through the jersey. You know, there's a difference. He's not an offensive lineman. He's a pass rusher. You do have to have some weight, but not that type of weight. You want functional weight. You want bulk. If you're trying to be more of that defensive lineman physique, um, in Drake Jackson's case, you could tell it wasn't good weight. And it sounds like he's turned himself around. Everybody I've heard talk about him talks about how noticeably bigger he is, just more muscular. Saw a couple pictures. He looked pretty good, and he did look pretty big. And the 49ers need him. They need Drake Jackson. They lost Samson Ebicom. They lost Charles Omenehu. They need Drake Jackson to be that guy opposite Nick Bosa that can maybe flirt with 10 sacks, maybe get to seven or eight. And maybe he can be above that. I don't want to sell him short, but Drake Jackson and his development is a huge deal for the 49ers defensive front. Right now, they've got kind of like an open competition opposite Nick Bosa. Got Robert Beal Jr., um, we'll, you know, their rookie fifth rounder, I believe. Um, you know, we'll see if he can make some sort of a run at it. Uh, but it's just not really fair to expect that necessarily 
it is fair to expect that from Jake Jackson, who's going into his second year, had a little bit of a wake-up call, and it sounds like he's doing everything right so far. So I'm looking forward to seeing where that goes because seeing rumors of his um, improvements is a big thing for the 49ers. It's like just, it's just like Jair Brown. The 49ers did not have a first and second round pick. Their first pick was Jair Brown. And it sounds like uh, Brandon Ayuk said in his press conference that Brown already had himself a few interceptions, probably done during the portion of minicamp that media cannot watch. Uh, but that's a good sign, just getting in the mix. Um, it's okay to do well in minicamp. What you don't want to do is stand out for the other reason. You know, get cooked, get burnt, get whatever. But again, players are trying things. Players are getting adjusted to the speed of things. It's just, it's best to just not blow anything out of proportion. Too early. A lot of talk about Bosa's contract. He talked about it. He's, he, I mean, he, Bosa has never even in the slightest seemed worried or too focused on his contract. It's, it's guys, it's obvious. It's obvious. I mean, he's going to get probably four or five years. It's going to be right around 30 million a year, you know, give or take, given how they hand out the guarantees. He's not worried about it. The 49ers aren't worried about it. It's inevitable. It's Thanos. Nick Bosa is the the gauntlet. It's, you know, it is what it is. It's inevitable. And, and you know, whether they, I, I'm assuming they're going to get that done this year. It sounds like the 49ers kind of expect that to happen. It sounds like Nick Bosa expects that to get happen. There's just not going to be a whole lot of negotiating. Probably going to be the highest paid defensive player in the NFL. You know, they can look at his brother's contract. They can look at all the most recent defensive signings. I can pop up over the cap right now, but it, it's just, it's going to happen. And to me, it's just man, like nobody needs to start a fucking pay Nick Bosa hashtag on Twitter. <laughs> okay. It's just, it's going to happen. Let me see. I mean, what, what can I go to here? Where's positions? Let's go. Interior defensive, let's go edge rusher, and let's go, okay, the highest paid edge rusher right now. Uh, let's go average per year. I like that best. It's TJ Watt at $28 million a year. He got $80 million guaranteed. His brother, slightly less. Um, he got $102 million guaranteed. Miles Garrett, $100 million guaranteed. Nick Bosa's going over $100 million guaranteed, hundred for sure, 115 ish I would assume. Um, fully guaranteed. You've got... Miles Garrett at 50, Joey Bosa at 78, TJ Watt at 80. Nick Bosa is probably going to be right around 85. Um, average per year, probably right around 30. That would put him $2 million over TJ Watt. Total contract value, probably right around Joey Bosa's 135, Miles Garrett 125, Khalil Mack 140. Khalil Mack has a $141 million contract. Are you serious? My goodness. Not to say he's not good, but he certainly hasn't developed into a damn. Anyways, I'm going to say if Joey Bosa is at 135, I'm going to say put Nick right around 150. He's going to be right at around 30 million a year, probably 110 total guaranteed million and uh, 85 million fully guaranteed. Probably, I, I mean, I guess, is that your signing bonus? But I mean, that's. That's, that is what it is, <laughs> you know, like, 
and the 49ers are in a tough spot, but there's just, there's no way you can get away with not paying a guy like that. I don't care if somebody comes along and offers you three first round picks, you pay Nick Bosa and you move along. It is what it is. You work you deal with the consequences and, uh, and it is what it is. I love hearing about the fact that Christian McCaffrey and Brandon Ayuk are two veteran players out there going hard as hell. And I'm going to quote, direct quote, Guy Haberman. And maybe maybe I, I hit up Guy and see if he's, he wants to come on here next week and talk about this, this quote. But they were talking about Christian McCaffrey going hard. And Guy Haberman said, Christian McCaffrey is, and I quote, a fucking rocket muscle. That was what was said, and, I, and I'm almost 99% positive that's exactly what was said. And I mean, I'm not sure how to feel about it, but I think it's a, it's a great way to describe Christian McCaffrey as a fucking rocket muscle. Again, take that for what you will. Just say it to yourself. Say it to yourself. Say, he's a fucking rocket muscle, and just what pops into your head? What, what is there right now? I like it. It's hilarious. I don't know where you're going with it. I'm talking to all y'all. But just whatever pops into your head first, hold on to that. Because it's a fucking rocket muscle. Shout out to Guy Haberman. Shout out to John Middlecoff. I love listening to those guys talk ball. They know so much about sports. Golf, college ball, professional football. Going way back. References I don't even get. I get on there and I learn. It's just, it's a great pod. They go back and forth. Anyways, Debo Samuel called himself out. Said my last season sucked. His last season did suck by, by Debo Samuel standards. I mean, you're looking at Debo Samuel stats. Um, 2019, 802 yards through the air, three touchdowns. He also had 31 yards rushing. No, excuse me, 159 yards rushing. I read the long. 2020, not a great year, got hurt, missed a good portion of the season, 391 yards receiving and 26 yards rushing. And then here comes 2021, 121 targets, 77 catches for 1,400 yards, 18.2 yards per catch. Damn. Six touchdowns, and then he also added 365 yards on the ground and another eight scores. For 14 total touchdowns. And then you get to 2022. Negotiated a new deal. Supposedly came into camp a little thick from what I heard. Ended up dealing with lower body injuries. Only played in 13 games. But managed 632 yards through the air. Only two touchdowns. And only 232 yards on the ground. Only three touchdowns. Five less touchdowns on the ground. Four less touchdowns through the air. It was a rough year for Debo. The 49ers were able to get it done without him, just given the amount of talent they have on that field. But going from 18.2 yards per catch to 11.3, going from 1,400 yards receiving to 632. Uh, again, there, there's injuries on both ends of that. You have Debo Samuel's injuries to himself, players being injured around him. The you know running back injuries that forced Debo Samuel into every different type of role you could imagine. Um, but again, but it doesn't really matter if you're paying somebody, um, you know, if you're paying somebody 20 something million, what's Debo Samuel's cap number this year? Uh, 9 million. But as far as 
total contract value. Let's go to 2024. Debo Samuel's uh, cap number next year is 29 million. So 28.5 million. So he's in that grace period of a contract where, where his, you know, his cap number is friendly, but it's about to get not so friendly. And the 49ers need Debo Samuel to be very friendly. You know, there's some cap savings to be had next year. Uh, we'll see where they go in terms of him and Ayuk. I don't know where that's going to go, but Debo Samuel called himself out. Interestingly enough, he said he had a meeting with Kyle Shanahan, which I wonder if that was just a, hey, I'm going to meet with every one of my players, or hey, I need to meet with Debo Samuel because last season fucking sucked, and we need to get him back in the right mindset. I'd already heard that he showed up in better shape, looked better. Obviously, he's got a meeting with Kyle where they broke down film, probably good and bad, and it was clear that Debo Samuel was not okay with how he played last year. And uh, it'll be interesting to see where he goes with that. I'm assuming his production will never get back to what it was in 2021. But he's if he's playing well and he is healthy, he's still going to remain a big play, home run threat, essential part of the offense. It's just when you've got Brandon Ayuk, when you've got George Kittle, and you've got Christian McCaffrey, you don't need Debo Samuel to be what he was in 2021. And that is no fault of Debo himself, but that same time he can't be what he was in 2022. It wasn't enough. He looked sluggish. He looked ineffective. Sometimes he looked almost tuned out. And that's been something we've heard about Debo Samuel going all the way back to the beginning. I, we, we, I can't remember. I think it was me and Crocker talking about the fact that we'd heard about Debo Samuel struggling with weight issues, going all the way back to college. You know, and, and and whether or not he's in shape, out of shape. It's weird. Debo Samuel's kind of an enigma. We've always heard from all his coaches and all the people on his team that like there's almost there's like nobody that cares about this game more than Debo. But at the same time, it seems like he struggles with that focus. So interesting enough, the 49ers can one hundred percent use the full return of the twenty twenty one Debo Samuel. Will it be at those numbers? Absolutely not. Could be. Yeah, but I, I just, with the amount of playmakers the 49ers have now, Debo Samuel doesn't need to be that guy. The 49ers don't need him to be that guy. It would be nice to not need him to be that guy. That keeps him fresh. That keeps him ready to make big big plays more often without without having to sprinkle in the, the two and three and four yard gains where you have to earn those tough yards, which in 2021, Debo was having to do. Which leads us to the other guy, Brandon Ayuk. And you guys have heard me singing Brandon Ayuk's praises for a while, probably uh, to the point where I may have annoyed you with them. But look, man, I, I, I'm slowly just getting to the point where I think Brandon Ayuk is a genuine wide receiver one, not just on this team, but anywhere in the NFL. A Jamar Chase type player. Uh, I think that if he were on a different offense, he could have a similar impact. I think that if Brandon Ayuk were on a different team, I think there'd be some conversations of him being top five in the NFL, you know, maybe top seven. If you're trying to give yourself a little bit of leeway, I have a very high opinion of Brandon. Ayuk. he's broken out of the doghouse. I watched him last off season, absolutely dominate training camp. It just looked like damn. And despite being like the second between the third and third and fourth option on this team, you know, you could, you could put Christian McCaffrey above him. You could probably put George Kittle above him, especially with Purdy because he had an awesome connection with Kittle. 
So Brandon Ayuk at best is the third option. He called himself the fourth option, and that's not necessarily calling out the 49ers, but I just, there's something, and I talked to KP about this not that long ago, and I wish I could define it better, but I'm not a true football mind. I could probably ask Kyle Shanahan about it at some point, and he would probably have a very good answer for me. But I think that Brandon Ayuk might be like the second most important player to this offense is from a skill position. He might be the fourth option, but in terms of the way this offense runs now, I don't, there's a part of me, I don't know. See, George Kittle came on so strong with Purdy. But it's like, I just, I think Brandon Ayuk's importance in this offense is undervalued. Okay. I, I don't need to necessarily compare him to the other playmakers he's got around him because they're all so good, and you shouldn't really have to choose between them. But I'm telling you, man, if you offer me a choice between Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, I'm taking the latter. And a, and a little bit of that, a lot of bit of that actually, is because they have Christian McCaffrey who can sort of do some of the things Debo does. Now, he is no, there is no other Debo. We've seen that. We know that. But in terms of, defined roles. Brandon Ayuk is your big play guy. Brandon Ayuk is your, I'm going to make a play from 10 to 20 yards and when you need it. And, and he is, he's that, that go to that Debo Samuel said himself, you can't cover that man in a phone booth. And he is just developing. And yes, I know he dropped one of what would have been, what would have been one of the coolest plays in 49ers history, when it came from Brock Purdy scrambling around, making everybody miss and uh, hitting Brandon Ayuk perfectly at the corner of the end zone. And he dropped it. That said, I think I, uh, Brandon Ayuk is, is a supreme wide receiver and elite wide receiver. And I, it's good to hear that he's going hard in training camp. Am I bracing myself for the inevitable? We just couldn't afford to keep him. I don't know. But I just think that there's a part of me that can't quite articulate, but still knows that he is almost irreplaceable. It would be very hard to re- to replicate the impact that Brandon Ayuk has on this offense. He is a perimeter threat that has to be accounted for and has to be say- taken seriously. And, uh, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what's coming. I think he's going to have a big year. Um, if, if he has a year like he just had, you know, over a thousand yards and getting closer to 10 touchdowns, then he's doing everything he can in this offense. Cause Christian McCaffrey's got to eat. George Kittle's got to eat. Debo Samuel's got to eat. Brandon, I, you got to eat, you know what I mean? Like, and you're assuming it's going to be Brock Purdy throwing the ball playing similarly, hopefully playing similarly to how he did last year. But I'm just telling you guys, uh, I knew I, I'm telling you at the same time, I'm, t- I'm not telling you, you know, it's like, I, I just can't articulate it, but I know that Brandon Ayuk is a massive player in this game and extremely talented. He's underrated. And I just feel like it's one of those pieces of this offense that if you take it away, everything else falls out of whack. They'll still have these great players, but it just won't quite look the same. You can you can take a note down. You can quote me on that, I and mean, that doesn't make sense. But is he's a big deal, and uh, I'm just looking. I'm very interested to, to seeing where this goes. 
Defensive, we got our first look at uh, newly acquired defensive lineman Javon Hargrave. Um, is it Javon or Javon? I'll have to look that up. I want to get it right. The dude, the dude standing next to Nick Bosa doesn't look small next to next to Nick Bosa for one. Just looks like a refrigerator in a jersey. He just looks like a tank. You can see why he just moves people around. The fact that he's as quick as he is is ridiculous. The dude just, it, there was a picture of him standing next, next to Nick, Nick Bosa. And it's just like, you cannot wait to see those two dudes operate next to each other. Maybe we'll get some semblance of Justin Smith and Alden Smith, the old Smith brothers. Because, I mean, those are two players of that caliber. Justin Smith was like just something else though, right? But seeing those two next to each other, it gives you, you know, a little bit of a feeling like, are these two just about to just absolutely wreck shop right now. No, all, all due respect to Hassan Reddick, who had an unbelievable season with the Eagles last year. Putting Nick Bosa next to Hargrave is a, is a different story. You're talking about the defensive player of the year. So I'm looking forward to seeing what those guys two to get, do together. Let's wrap this up with some freaking kicker takes, man. Search Jake, me, Jake Moody on Twitter. I had uh, Matt Mayoko's uh, tweets up here, um, but he seems to be doing the thing. Hit a 62-yarder. Ready for Jake Moody's range to drop from 68 to 60. I'm just kind of reading through the Jake Moody takes right now. Apparently, he made a 62-yarder in practice. Apparently, he had like a shotgun like line drive that still made it. Matt Barrows in May, on May 31st. Um, Moody was four and four in his kicks today with a long of 53 yards. Jake Zane Gonzalez, three of four. We've got a legit kicker competition here. I'm uh, I'm interested to see how that plays out. Now, obviously, the 49ers, they need they need Jake Moody to be good. Period. Do I think that he's like we need to track his every kick good? No. Grant compared watching Jake Grant Cone compared watching Jake Moody kick to watching a home run derby. The dude's got a serious leg. One of his biggest sneaky advantages is that the 49ers are going to get a lot more touchbacks, which is huge, which is huge. So some good things said so far about Jake Moody. Has it been flawless? Here's Matt Mayoko, June 6th. Zane Gonzalez, the other kicker. Made from 33 and 38 twice and 43 yards. Jake Moody made from 33 and 43 three times. Missed wide left from 38. His second make from 43 was an ugly line drive that somehow did not get blocked. Hey, if it goes through, it goes through. Josh Dubow. Jake Moody was a first-time kicker today. And first-time kicker. I think he meant first-team kicker. And made a 63-yarder with room to spare. Jake Moody was four of four in his kicks today, and Zane Gonzalez was three of four. I'm, we're, we're, we're just rolling through them. Jake Moody, 33, 38, 43, and 53. Okay. I mean, it's happening, folks. We're getting kicker tweets. We're seeing a kicker competition develop. We, uh, I mean, all we got to do is be here for it. I heard today, I was, in, I think this morning, I was listening to some Candlestick Chronicles. They were joking about the fact that. When Jake Moody kicks the ball, it's like a sonic boom. Sonic boom. Poof. You know, it, it, anyways, I don't want to waste waste your time too much with this, but keep an eye out for those kickers. Uh, the biggest thing you worry about with a kicker being drafted in the third round is what kind of pressure is that going to put on him and what kind of pressure is he going to put on himself? Is that 
doesn't matter because that can't be any more pressure than kicking a game winner. So we'll see if uh, if Jake Mooney just rises to the top. The 49ers need him to. They took him with the third round pick. Um, all right. I mean, that I, I'm, I'm kind of scrolling through the news right now, making sure that we did not leave out any essential mandatory minicamp news lines. Touched on Brock Purdy. Yeah, I think we're all right. I think we're all right. Appreciate you guys. I appreciate you guys. Uh, thank you for listening to Striking Gold. Thank you for making this podcast what it is. I'll be back on here next week, maybe talking through the 49ers roster. You know, we're this is really it before training camp. So we've got about a month and a half of dead time before we hit training camp. Let's break down the roster. Let's talk about the, the bigger competitions. Let's talk about maybe predicting the initial 53. Let's talk about... Um, you know, we'll get some updates on Brock Purdy's progress. We'll inevitably hear when he's ready, but that's not still supposed to be until training camp's over and done with. So preseason's going to be huge this year for sure. All right, guys. Love you. Thank you for listening to Striking Gold. Um, if you if you deem us worthy, jump on iTunes, jump on Spotify, leave us a five-star review. Um, download, subscribe, spread the word, do your thing. As always, all good things must come to an end. Again, I appreciate you guys. I'm Rob. This is Striking Gold, and we are signing out.